Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me on Born to be Breastfed. And today we're going to take a little bit of a left turn from what my show is usually about. Well, we're still going to talk about breastfeeding, okay? So we're good there. But I have had a number of people who are really confused about the new requirements that IBLCE has put out, that is the International Board of Lactation Consultant Examiners. And so I'm going to try to break this down so that you can kind of get it in what I hope will be a a little more user-friendly way here. So I'm going to talk about an update on the IBLCE exam in general. Then I'll talk about clinical eligibility requirements and how that is, when that's starting, what it's like for the first-time test takers. Then I will move from the clinical eligibility to the academic eligibility, again, for first-time takers, sitters, test takers, whatever you want to call yourself. So for those of you who are first-time sitters, I'm going to try to consolidate some of that, but then there's another piece that you need to listen to later because uh, I'm also going to talk about the recertification process, the requirements for actually the new requirements for basic life support education, and a little bit about how changes for clinical hours are calculated. And actually, you know, I guess I could really just, uh, I had that all laid out and I thought I had it all right, but uh, maybe I should put that sooner so that you can get through that a little bit easier. All right. So that's what we're going to talk about today is these newer things that have been in some way confusing for people. Uh, I want to make this easy for you, but, and this is important, remember I am an independent educator. I do not work for the IBLCE, the International Board of Lactation Consultant Examiners. I have never worked for the IBLCE, never will. So I'm merely trying to unravel my understanding of what IBLCE requires, but a big word of caution, you should always check their website for sure and certainly for any updates. Remember, The requirements for sitting the IBLCE exam, or for recertifying for that matter, can change literally overnight, and they do not notify me or other educators before they make their rules. So I guess I just want to say, make sure that you change, excuse me, that you check the IBLCE website, that's IBLCE.org, just to make sure. I could have misunderstood what the IBLCE says. I don't think I do, but I could have. Or I could have just been silly and I could have misspoken. So just be careful. All right. So let's talk about the first time test takers. And that's probably most of you. I want to make sure that you get really clear about your first time uh, requirements. 
So let me start with those academic eligibility requirements, and this is effective 2021. However, and this is important, remember that if you are planning to uh, test in 2021, you will be applying for the exam in 2020, okay? So, starting in 2021, if you are taking the exam in 2021, you will need, as you have for many years, 90 hours of lactation-specific course work. So that's 90 hours, nine zero. And I mention this because in our office, we get this question all the time. Oh, when I went to nursing school, substitute, medical school, whatever, I was there for X number of years and I already learned about breastfeeding. That's enough to count, right? Um, no, actually not. Uh, so you really need that 90 hours of not not unless your program had 90 hours, which I doubt that it did because I've never known a one that does, you need 90 hours of lactation-specific education. I offer a 90-hour lactation course. You know I would love to have you enrolled. I offer a hybrid version where you can get some of the hours online and some live with me in different U.S. cities. But If going live doesn't work into your life, I also offer an all-online version. And by the way, we can accept payment plans, so just letting you know. All right, so that's your 90 hours of lactation-specific coursework. You will need that. Actually, shucks, you need that right now. Nothing's changed with that. But what has changed is the five hours of communication coursework that you will need If you are a first-time test taker. So, here's what IBLCE says, and I quote, Communication is a key area of the IBLCE detailed content outline, and in practice, the IBCLC must understand the client and provide the most appropriate plan of care, engage in active listening and emotional support, and assist the client in making informed decisions. Continuing with the quote, starting with examination applications for April 2021, examination administration and those administrations following In addition to the 90 hours of lactation-specific education, five hours of education focused on communication skills will be required. Preferably, and then they go on to talk a little bit about what that can be, but it's it's really pretty, um, it's pretty broad. What I want you to make sure you understand is that if you are planning on taking the exam in April 2021, you will need to apply for that exam in the late fall of 2020, okay? So, just letting you know. All right. 
there has also been some confusion, I guess you might say, about how clinical hours are calculated. And that pertains to the folks who are going pathway one. And I'm going to read you what they say. Because it has to do with the fact that it's that you now need to do it hour by hour. And I know I'm shuffling papers here, sorry, but I just want to make sure that I quote them rather than paraphrase it because I don't want to mess you up. All right. So here's what it says. And actually, they came out with something in June, and then they sort of retracted it in September. So they say, and I quote, IBLCE is extending the implementation date of this change to IBCLC eligibility requirements from March 1st, 2020 to January 1st, 2022. The implementation will also be phased in so that any hours completed in 2021 or before can be calculated with the flat rate when applying for an IBCLC examination administration. For clinical hours earned starting January 1st, 2022, they will need to be counted on an hour-for-hour basis. As part of the current requirements, please note that the clinical hours cannot be older than five years from the date of the examination application submission, unquote, okay? Now, how this got confusing was that they gave that June statement followed by the September statement, which, by the way, proves my point about how important it is to go and to read what's on the site. But anyway, I will finish out their statement here, and this is a direct quote. As stated in the June 2019 briefing, IBLCE is removing the use of the flat rate calculation to be in alignment with the changing nature and varying levels of volunteer opportunities in breastfeeding support organizations. With this change, all IBCLC candidates are expected to calculate clinical hours on an hour-for-hour basis. Okay, so again, and, and I should also warn you, there's more information that will be in the IBLCE website, Candidate Information Guide, and the Recertification Guide, okay? So you should download that, and honestly, if you are applying for the exam, you should not only download that, you should probably put it in some sort of a plastic sleeve or plastic sleeves, put it in the three-ring binder that is absolutely your, like, you know, your rock of Gibraltar for what you need in order to get your IBLCE requirements done and done correctly, all right? So I want to make sure that you are all good with that, and I want to make sure that you look at it. I did give those as direct quotes, but I would strongly encourage you to look at that, 
very carefully yourself. Okay, so I talked about the academic eligibility requirements and I talked about the changes in the clinical requirements. Now, let me move to the recertification process. At the current time, IBCLCs can certify every five years after passing the uh, after last passing the IBLCE examination. Okay. Here's your quote from the IBLCE. They say that IBCLC certificates have had for years the option to recertify by completing 75 continuing education recognition points, uh, those are called SERPs, or equivalent individual SERPs or re-examination. Re-examination is mandatory within 10 years after last passing the examination. All right, now what you need to understand about that is that that is how it has been for as many years as I can remember, all right? We're talking decades of it being that way. But this will soon change, okay? So, I read you and I quote verbatim. Listen carefully. At the current time, IBCLCs must recertify, quote, uh, no, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Quote, commencing with IBCLCs recertifying in 2022, the examination will remain an option for recertification, but will no longer be a requirement. A self-assessment and required focused continuing education will be an option in lieu of examination at each five-year recertification period. IBCLC certificates who let their recertification lapse will have one examination attempt within one year immediately following their expiration year to sit the examination without having to meet the clinical hour and educational requirements and uh, pay the full examination fee. For any subsequent examination attempts, Lapsed candidates will meet, or excuse me, must meet all eligibility requirements for an initial candidate valid at the time of examination application and pay the full examination fee, unquote. All right. So if you're listening to this now, this is if you are recertifying and it's telling you that you don't really have to take the exam but you do need to recertify, and the certification process is going to be a little different. It used to be that if you wanted to recertify with SERPs, you just got a bunch of SERPs, and you were good to go. And they're saying now that you must have this, um, what did they call it here? Here, here we go. A self-assessment and required focused continuing education, all right? So that's going to be just a little bit different. All right. Then I want you to be aware of the requirements for basic life support. They say, 
and I quote, For IBCLCs recertifying by either examination or SERPs in 2021 and moving forward, IBLCE will require basic life support education in each five-year recertification period, unquote. Now, that's new because it used to be that you only needed your uh, basic life support for if you were a first-time test taker. But now, as I understand this, and I read it to you verbatim, they are asking you to be uh, have your basic life support education for each five-year recertification period. Okay, then. Let's go on to talk about exam application deadlines because I find that people get really messed up with this. First of all, people often expect that they can just sign up for the exam any old day they want to, and that is just not the case. You have to apply for the exam when the exam window opens and it's twice a year, all right? The last deadline was November 15th. If you are listening to this at this moment, you have already missed the deadline to apply for the April 2020 exam, okay? Otherwise stated, that ship has sailed. So, the next application deadline is May 15th. So, I would suggest that you start getting your ducks in a row right now. If you want to sit for the exam, listen carefully now, if you want to sit for the exam in November 2020, you need to apply before May 15th, 2020, okay? And I would say that's about typical. It's usually about a five-month lag time. All right, so let me see if I've got enough fingers to count this here. November, December, January, February, um, no, I just did it wrong. So if you apply in May, we need to cut that part out. Okay, then let me talk to you about the next examination dates. And they're a little bit different this year. I presume because of the holidays, although I don't know, but I presume so. Usually, they offer the exam the first week in April and uh, the first week in October. That will not be the case in 2020. All right, here you go. The next exam will be offered in March, and it will be March 30th, 2020 to April 3rd, 2020. It will be available in English. It will be available English only. It will be available worldwide, and it will be on computer. That is, CBT or computer-based testing, okay? Now, I'm just letting you know that if you are listening to this episode right now, and if you signed up before November 2019, you're going to be taking your exam March 30th to April 3rd, 2020, in English, anywhere in the world, and you'll be doing it on a computer. 
However, if you didn't do that, you're going to need to apply before May 15th. If you apply for May 15th, before May 15th, you will be taking the exam in September, and that will be September 21 through 25, 2020. I'll repeat that. It will be September 21st through the 25th, 2020. At that time, it will be available in all languages, English and otherwise. It will be all current languages, I guess they say. It will be available worldwide. It will be on computer, but if you are in an area where the paper and pencil is allowed or offered, then it can be paper and pencil. But I'm guessing that if you are listening to this show, it's because you're listening on the internet, which means you've got internet in your country. So you're probably not going to be doing the paper and pencil exam. All right. So does this kind of help? I know that people get people get really messed up with uh, where they were in the first place. And with these new changes, it just feels to me like people have gotten even more um, kind of messed up, if there's a nice word for that. Okay. So, again, I want to encourage you, make sure you get the IBLCE's recommend, uh, well, guidelines exactly, but uh, it also download that um, uh, candidate information guide. It's going to be hugely helpful. All right. So now, you folks who are recertifying, I have a thing or two to talk to you about, and that is, I'd like you to consider 10 topics that weren't on your radar for the IBLCE exam 10 years ago. All right? And look, I know how it is. You say, ah, shucks. I took the IBLCE exam 10 years ago. I'm all good. And then a few minutes later, you say, oh, well, that was 10 years ago. What new stuff will they put on the exam this time? Uh, certainly there are always some topics that you can count on and I have addressed those elsewhere. I know, for instance, that um, I've got some stuff on my Facebook page and I'm sure that there are more, but you should also expect some topics that you probably didn't even have on your radar or in your line of vision or your thought processes 10 years ago. So you need to understand what I said earlier I don't have any inside information here. I don't work for the IBLCE. I'm not even necessarily saying that these will be on the exam, but I am definitely saying because I teach several courses, these are on my radar for things that I have in uh, in com- I have put into my courses that just weren't even on my radar 10 years ago. All right. First one, LGBTQIA communications. Now, I'm hoping that you heard my earlier podcast with Stephanie Brown. We talked a lot about this. But 
You know, I really think that IBLCE has made a big push for candidates and for recertificants to have better communication skills. And so I really do kind of think there's a heavier emphasis on communication skills in general because they're, remember, I talked to you a few minutes ago about the fact that now you have to have five more um, hours of training. And seemingly everyone these days is trying to do a better job communication, communicating with the LGBTQ community. So I would say 10 years ago, that didn't cross my brain. It's definitely crossing my brain now. Next one, pump and feed. Yeah, yeah, I know. We've been doing pump and feed forever, but not really like this. Uh, I would strongly encourage you to listen to my podcast with Dr. Kathleen Rasmussen. She talked about this pump and feed issue because here in the United States, there's uh, you know practically an epidemic of full-time pumping for healthy, full-term infants who are capable of suckling. And 10 years ago, I don't think we were seeing that much. We were more likely to see it with preterm babies, sick babies, babies that couldn't suckle, that sort of thing. So I've addressed the details of that elsewhere. But uh, I admit, I'm wondering if maybe it's too early for this question to appear on the exam. But uh, even so, I've done a better job with this, incorporating this into my courses, because I think you should anticipate it just in case it appears. Here's another one. Number three, body image treatments and issues. (laughs) Honestly, if there's anything that I've learned about uh, blogging, and most of you have probably already been to my blog at uh, mariebiancuzo.com. That's M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O.com. I've looked at the posts that perform the best. And guess what? Laser hair removal is one of my most popular posts. But people also want to know about body modifications. I handled that on my blog, but I also did a podcast with Robert Roche-Paul. Varicose vein therapy, hair dye, all sorts of stuff related to body image. I don't think we got as big of a dose of that 10 years ago. Now, well, when I read the statistics on how many people had had body mods, I was like, oh, yeah, that number seems kind of big. Then I started just being aware of just the people that I work with or the people I see on the street or at the mall or anywhere else. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I think that statistic is pretty pretty right on target. All right, here's number four. And it kind of goes along with body image. And that is, I think you should be prepared for bariatric surgery. Lucky for me, I had what I believe to be one of the country's, perhaps one of the world's best experts on this, uh, bariatric surgery. I did a podcast with Dr. Allison Childress. Very interesting. Uh, But about 80% of people who undergo bariatric surgery are women. So therefore, it seems like a, a woman's issue. I would really encourage you to uh, think about this. It's like 10 years ago, I was sort of aware of, but now I'm much more hyper aware of it. Now, here's the number five, exercise and sports. 
I'm not sure if you have heard or if you soon will hear my podcast with Dr. Linda May. And she has written a book on the topic. Uh, I got to talk with her for a whole hour. I think that you will enjoy it. But the American Heart Association now recommends that adults have at least 150 minutes of moderate exercise each week. Now, mothers are also adults. And those who try to comply with this recommendation have raised real-life questions to me. So don't be surprised if such questions are on the exam. And oh, by the way, I've integrated that into my courses because I think that this is just a lot more um, like on people's radar now than it used to be. All right, number six, the microbiome. Seemingly everyone these days is talking about the microbiome. I've addressed that in several places. Uh, I wrote a post on it. I've done a few interviews with it, uh, interviews being podcasts. You might want to look those up. And just think about this. Now, do you remember this being on the IBLCE exam 10 years ago? Nope, me neither. But I'm just telling you, be prepared because, again, I've incorporated that into a course. It's on my radar. Along with that, gut hormones, okay? Even the phrase gut hormones wasn't on my radar 10 years ago. But in the past few years, I've dedicated an entire page in the manual of my comprehensive lactation course to gut hormones. I cover gastrin, somatostatin, glucocorticoid, cholecystokinin, the whole bit, all right? Because I think that this is, you know, kind of one of those up-and-coming topics. So... Ten years ago, I wouldn't have been thinking about it. Now, I'm thinking about it. Here's the next thing. Diagnostic tests. Now, seriously, did this topic even cross your mind as something you'd see on the IBLCE exam ten years ago? I doubt it. Yet, more and more women of childbearing age are having more and more diagnostic tests. So, I think this is fair game. I do. And it might be tests involving radioactive dye. It might be surgical removal of tissue or a biopsy or any of that kind of stuff. And you know that I've already written a post on fair game. In other words, I don't know if you're going to get it or not. But given the IBLCE's detailed content outline, I think it's fair game. All right, next, uh, biological nurturing. Um. It's a hugely important topic. We are hearing more and more about it. You know, I had Dr. Suzanne Colson on my podcast, I want to say early, like January 2017 or something like that. But she actually wrote her landmark study in 2008, which tells you how long it takes to have this stuff bubble to the top. But anyway, I really believe like this is a It's a huge topic that I'm interested in, and it actually was on my radar 10 years ago, but now it's even more on my radar because the idea is, well, put it this way. Now, when I talk to lactation consultants about biological nurturing, they actually know what I'm talking about. 10 years ago, they were like, what? Okay, and my final one here is baby-friendly hospital. Now, that has been fair game since 1991, but... I think that we've just gotten to the point where um, it's just a bigger deal, okay? I think we are long overdue to see more questions or deeper questions or any questions, seriously. So 
And, and don't think, I've had people say to this, so, so should I memorize the 10 steps? No, that's not going to get you to where you're going. But you need to understand how to implement those steps. Those are the sorts of things that I think you should be prepared for. Okay, now remember, I have no crystal ball. But I feel pretty aware of the trends and the issues and how those might play out on your exam. And certainly, all of what I've just suggested here is fair game. So, you should also realize that 10 years ago, they didn't have those what they call case studies on the exam. But you should expect those too, and I've addressed that on a, on a uh, blog post. And you should definitely read that because I go through what it is, some general ideas for how it's laid out, and how you can prepare yourself to deal with those questions, because I'm pretty sure that you will see those. All right. So that's all I have for you today, but I think that it will really help you to get your head together, whether you are a first-time test taker or whether you are a recertificate, but things have changed. I don't think that these things are necessarily monumental. I think the real key is just to be prepared. I would also encourage you to subscribe to my blog at mariebiancuso.com. And I would also say subscribe to this podcast. There's going to be plenty more to help you along with your journey. Whether you've been in this business a day, a week, or a lifetime, I learned something just doing the podcast. So I'm pretty sure that you will too. All right, that's all I have. Let me know if you are ready to buy a course. You can do that at mariebiancuso.com. You can do it at breastfeedingoutlook.com. Or you can just call us. We talk to people. We actually like to talk to people. Uh, Our phone number is 703-787-9894. I will repeat that. It's 703-787-9894. So take all of that in your head, be prepared, and remember, your baby and everybody else's baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. 
and ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. <laughs> 